I suppose, I mean, like, the, 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 the really kind of interesting thing about the relationship with tattooing and belief or tattooing and politics is that on the one hand, of course, right, like people do want to mark on their bodies the images that are most meaningful to them. And that includes, of course, things that they believe very fundamentally. And like we see this a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of the history of tattooing in Western contexts uh, that we're talking about here are religious or they're patriotic uh, or they're affiliative. You know, they they come from kind of places of of love or they come often from places of hate. Uh, so on the one hand, we can't get over the fact, and we talked about this a lot on this show already, that in some senses, like a tattoo is to some degree potentially an indicator of some very basic uh, function or some very basic representation of your underlying beliefs. But on the other hand, of course, like it's more complicated than that. And I think uh, in many cases, and I think what we're going to be talking about today is is some of those complexities. So um, those are where I think these wrinkles come in. And, and, and ultimately, I think it's a good, again, to say up top, it's a good heuristic, I think, to assume someone with a deeply overtly political tattoo subscribes to those beliefs um, or, or perhaps uh, more accurately, at least at some point in the past, subscribe to those beliefs. Um, but that's not an infallible heuristic, right? Um, that that basic heuristic, that basic test is not always going to work. And I think that's interesting. I mean, before we get to Nazis, there's a, a chapter in my book about um, two communist tattoos. And I think maybe they're a good illustration of the general problem. So one, <laughs> one is the case of a... Um, uh, uh, a dancer in the Paris um, reviews, a sort of burlesque dancer in the 1930s who uh, wants to kind of, you know, date a member of the French Communist Party and has her uh, breast tattooed, tattooed with a hammer and sickle. And then as communism through the post-war period, through the Cold War, loses favour in the West and, and, and as those geopolitical allegiances change and um, as you know, as as the war against fascism to becomes, from a Western European point of view, the war against communism, um, that changes. And you know whether or not that woman was a diehard communist, I I, I don't know. I doubt. Right, it's, it's just sort of a, a moment in time of some scene she was part of. The other is like the story which I tell in the book, which isn't actually a true story, although. You know, it is a story that was truly reported as such, which is the story of Picasso potentially like in revenge against um, some horrible clients of his tattooing on this Argentinian woman's back a hammer and sickle. And she was, as far as the story went, a member of the Argentinian aristocracy and she was, um, you know, looking just to get a cool fashionable tattoo. But Picasso, you know, being at least at one point in his life a very ardent communist, perhaps the most communist uh, in public life in France and uh, through the 1930s and, and 40s, uh, basically tattooed this woman with a hammer and sickle. And it caused, so the story went, this huge international incident. Um, the beef uh, imports from Argentina to the United States got cancelled. It was a huge, huge thing. Man, um, I, I, I couldn't imagine why uh, specific Argentinians might not like communism. I can't imagine a certain group of immigrants that went to Argentina at a certain period of yeah. time. Uh, 
Well, this guy, the, the, so this the, the woman who this story is based on, so the woman who's named in the story, which was only published in Iceland, um, doesn't actually exist. But the characters they're clearly based on were a couple of Argentinian, basically kind of fascist sympathizers called the Ancorenias, um, who used to bring out uh, pictures of Hitler and Mein Kampf at dinner parties. And Picasso and Matisse had done a a series of murals for their Paris apartment. They were quite influential in in brokering sort of behind the scenes deals between Paris and uh, and Washington and the uh, Argentinian government under President Perón, who was at one point particularly sympathetic to, you know, basically trying to be sympathetic to the West, but has lots of communists within his party. And anyway, this is a long story short. You can read the whole story in the book, but basically that the, the, the woman in that story sort of claimed, well... I didn't mean to, you know, this isn't my real beliefs. It was a sort of trick played on me by Picasso. <laughs> and none of that's true. Picasso didn't tattoo anybody. Um, this woman, uh, or at least the woman she was based on, didn't have any tattoos. And this diplomatic incident didn't exist. Read the book for more of that story in detail. But that only works as a story um, if you believe, I suppose, at some level that, that tattoos indicate something about your deepest, darkest beliefs, right? And on the one hand, like, you know, switching to the present day, that can get you in trouble because if you've got a kind of particular symbol tattooed on you um, and then you say you didn't know what it means, it's difficult to take you at face value, right? It's difficult to try and um, give you the benefit of the doubt. So the best example of that in recent British life, I suppose, is uh, this one of the again, we've talked a lot about Inkmaster, but this was a, a like a wood chopping, like car, wood carving, woodwork masters. I think show. it was called. Is that what it was called? Um, where there was a character on that show who was covered in tattoos and f- all over his face, and there were lots of kind of gags in the trailer in the first episode, and only every one episode of this show about, oh, you're the tattoo guy, lol. And it, you know, on close inspection, he had all of these uh, like essentially coded tattoos on his face. And like, so um, as Tom was saying, um, a lot of uh, contemporary kind of fascist discourse relies on a kind of plausible deniability, relies on a kind of cloak of acceptability um, and layers and layers of irony and layers and layers of sort of deniability where you can communicate on the one hand to your political fellow travellers, but on the other hand sort of say that's when if you're ever called on it, you can say that's not quite what I meant. Now, this guy had lots of tattoos all over his face, um, which are ones which have common currency in American white supremacist prison gangs. Um, one of which, the most prominent of which, was this f- tattoo of the numbers 14 and 88. Now, on the one hand, all well and all, you know, not that harmless. The numbers 14 and 88 on their own are not particularly. Uh, offensive, of course, but within these kind of white supremacist prison gang circles and white supremacist circles more broadly, there's this you know, kind of quite quite sophomoric, quite kind of teenage and ultimately uh, number code that's come up. Put it very quickly: fourteen refers to the fourteen words of David Duke, a kind of um, uh, a kind of manifesto, I suppose, for white supremacy. David and Duke, the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. Ku Klux Klan, yeah, thank you. And um, and eighty eight 
uh, kind of su- substitution cipher for the letters HH, meaning Hail Hitler. Now, of course, like if you see someone with a tattoo of the number 88, they may have just been born in the year 1988. In fact, that, you know, in many cases, that might be a plausible first association. But if you combine that with the 14 and with some of the other tattoos that this guy had, you start kind of going, actually, maybe your deniability is not so plausible anymore. And yeah, this is where I guess I want to get into our first kind of more complicated or nuanced conversation about this, because like I said, right? Like if you see someone with those numbers tattooed on them, possibly, perhaps even likely that they are, you know, sympathetic to fascism. You don't get at least those numbers in combination with some other things, unless you're at least kind of, you know, trying to be an edgy dickhead (laughs) at the very least and probably worse. And that's actually... Two points I want to make on that, and one like me coming from a a punk background. Obviously, there is a lot of discourse at the moment about lace code, whether it's real or not. What do coloured laces means? This, for those who aren't in the know, is what laces do you put essentially in your boots? So people in are asserting that oh, certain colours mean certain things. And people are like, oh, red laces means, you know, you're a neo-Nazi. White laces means you're, you know, you're a white supremacist. And like, oh, but they mean other things. And essentially, my thing is that if you're relying on the color of someone's laces to understand where they're coming from, then I think maybe you need to open your eyes and open your ears a little bit to what they're, you know, saying and doing. But also, too, you mentioned irony in that it, one thing that's very important to understand the far right movement currently and how it exists mainly from a spawn point of online is how people are kind of folded into this stuff and particularly like younger people, younger men specifically as well, is that it's done through this like folded layer of irony that like these jokes are like edgy and kind of like push the envelope, but there's plausible, plausible deniability in them because they're ironic. And then at what point does the irony end and when does it when does it end and when does it begin but operating with the idea of talking about these things as they appear online it is very important to understand like that woodworking guy he could he made up some story about you know yeah. oh about his dad and uh, it's kind of that is the plausible deniability that a lot of these people operate on is that you know, oh, it's ironic. Oh, it means something else. Oh, you're overthinking this or you're kind of reading too much into it. 